What's going on, football fans, and welcome to the Football Game Plan FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. My name is David Hasegan, and I am honored to have the czar himself, Emery Hunt, sitting next to me. Emery, good morning. Good morning, man. It's always good when we can talk FCS football. I'm glad to be here, man. I'm excited to see it, sit here and talk uh, some college football with you, man. And it was a wild weekend, man. It was a crazy weekend <laughs> in the FCS this week. We got a lot to talk about. But if you're new to the show, if you're new to the podcast, Make sure you follow up on us. We got a whole bunch of Twitter handles for you to follow, so write these down unless you're driving, then don't write them down until you get there. <laughs> FCS Opening Drive on Twitter, the FCS Kickoff, and follow Emery at F Ball Game Plan on Twitter. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash football game plan. Uh, we're on iTunes, Football Game Plan Podcasts. We got the FCS Kickoff website, www.footballgameplan.com slash FCS Kickoff. And don't forget to follow the FCS Whip Around for myself and all of our conference correspondents uh, talking all about in-depth in each conference. So if you got a favorite, you can go to us and really look uh, look at this. But what a week, what a week four we just had here. And I, I, it, it was craziness from the top down. Seven losses in the top 25 from the rankings, from the coaches poll this week. We got to start with... The guys we played the fight song for, and that's Elon, (laughs) knocking off number six Richmond, 36-33. I mean, Kirk Signetti, he's had a great job in his first year on the job at Elon, and he's proven it. Now they're up to three and one. Yeah, and that's the impressive thing because Elon was considered a team that, you know, coming into the season, you didn't think that they were going to be that good, so to speak, or or that explosive offensively. Although I know, hey, Coach Signetti, is coming from a program in Indiana University of Pennsylvania where he put up a ton right. of points. They were always competitive in the PSAC. I just didn't expect it to happen year one. And I remember Elon being a team that, that had some good defense. Uh, offensively, they were kind of stagnant. Uh, right. I remember I was at a game, I want to say it was two years ago, uh, Elon played Stony Brook. And if Elon could complete maybe five or six passes, and he beat Stony Brook that day, but if Elon could complete maybe five or six passes, they would have blown out Stony Brook. Yeah. And so you fast forward now two years later, you still had some questions about them coming into the season. But Coach Signetti has is, is done an impressive job so far. They went off to a three and one start. Exactly. And a lot of that goes to Malcolm Summers as well, who had a big he had forty carries on the ground, two hundred and ninety four yards rushing uh in this game against Richmond. That's a heck of an effort. Uh, I mean, and again, against a Richmond team that is a perennial powerhouse in the FCS division. Another top 10 loss, though, Villanova threw the game away against Albany. Quite lit- Well, I should say fumbled it away. <laughs> Three lost fumbles for Villanova Wildcats against the Great Danes on the road, and it's a 19-10 win for Albany. And Albany, once again, proves to be that team that's going to be a fly in the ointment. They were yep. last year. They were real good last year. Uh, and they're playing without their, their top back from last year. Uh, Token Hanks, who suffered an ACL injury late in the season. They slowly are starting to bring him back involved. But you got to love what they're doing up there in Albany. They're, they're well built along both sides of the line of scrimmage. And that's what you need to have in order to knock off a team like Villanova, who was shockingly um, stout throwing the football uh, this year. Because we know Villanova is a run team, play good defense, play good special teams. But their passing game has been the story. And it just didn't help them out again. You talk about, talked about those lost fumbles. That, that's a big loss. For, for Villanova. Yeah, and of course the uh, the rare nine-point win in overtime with uh, <laughs> Albany returning a fumble for a touchdown in the overtime session after getting a field goal. So can't say Villanova didn't have their chances even in overtime, but could not get the job done. Uh, another loss 
to talk about, and that is Holy Cross. We'll get to the Patriot League in just a little bit, but they lose on the road to Dartmouth. Yeah, the one team you thought, okay, this is the team that's going to represent the Patriot League. They go out and lose to Dartmouth, but they lost last year to Dartmouth. Yeah. Um, and so shout out to Dartmouth. They, they Last year, Dartmouth beat New Hampshire, and they beat Holy Cross. Um, and so maybe they have something up there defensively with, with Dartmouth. Uh, but Holy Cross, my goodness, I, I did not expect an offense that really gave UConn problems, yeah. um, that yeah. really put the beat down on New Hampshire the week before. And he come out and lay an egg against Dartmouth. That 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 was that was shocking. Never never sleep on the Ivy Leaguers. They're doing calculations <laughs> on the sideline real time. They um, got the stats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got to talk about uh, Ryder Stone though, real quick for Dartmouth. Seventeen catches in that game. Uh, only 106 yards receiving, but you got a guy that can catch the ball 17 times a game. That's fine by me, and certainly something you got to worry about uh, for the Holy Cross defense. We had an early game that we, uh, um, I want to touch on real quick. North Carolina Central against South Carolina State. Good ball game here. Uh, NC Central getting the win at home, 33-28. Um, really entertaining game, really back and forth, especially in the second half. Yeah, and that's the one part of the game that I was impressed with. I, I was impressed with how the passing game of South Carolina State came and got off the mat. Yeah. Uh, normally we know Buddy Pugh's team is going to run the football. They're going to play great defense. Um, but we didn't expect them to be able to throw the football like they were against North Carolina Central. And granted, I thought Central's defense – coming into that ball game was the talk of the MEAC. They definitely, are stout defensively, and uh, the Bulldogs had their way early on. I mean, great. granted, the, the, the Eagles made a great defensive play early. We talked about that off air when they returned that fumble right. uh, for a on an option yeah, yeah. pitch. Uh, but I think they had a wake-up call. Maybe they were looking ahead to this week where they have a huge game yes. uh, down at uh, Bragg Memorial Stadium against the Rattlers. Yeah, exactly. And I think the MEAC is, is, is such an underrated conference when it comes to depth from top to bottom and you, you have any, anybody can beat anybody else in that league any given week the swack is like that as well uh colonial is a lot like that mm-hmm. um but the MIAC for whatever reason doesn't get the respect uh for whatever re- for whatever reason i don't know why because every week you get games like this which are really entertaining and it's good ball both on the both sides of the ball from both teams and you get an entertaining ball game um one of the game we want to talk about and we love upsets i love upsets <laughs> at least and when you got a ranked FCS team knocking off an FBS team, it's nice. But Western Illinois, holy cow, 52-10 over the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. That is an absolute whitewashing. That's not supposed to happen, but I love it. I mean, listen, and Coastal Carolina has an FBS squad this year because they're making that transition. Right. Uh, they are an FBS team. They're in the Sun Belt Conference. So, that right there was was shocking because this was a team that I thought could be that that spoiler in the FBS this year because of how yeah. they're built and they were good. Joe Moglia does a great job recruiting and building that football team. They have a, they have a really good running back in Marcus Outlow that they got from uh, Boston College. Right. All of that said, Western Illinois <laughs> beat the brakes off them. Like, and and Western Illinois linebacker, I'm a big fan of. We'll talk about him later, but. Uh, Brett Taylor is outstanding, and yes. th- that's where their strongest is at their second level. I think they have the best linebacking core, arguably the best linebacking core in the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah, I, I would even put them in a top ten, maybe an FCS in that core. I mean, the rest of their defense, they have some times when they're suspect, but the linebacking core just top to bottom and the depth and the strength that they have there uh, in the leadership. And you mentioned Brett Taylor. As you said, we'll talk about him later, but uh, guys that can definitely cause some big, big problems. Um Let's talk about the uh, the one really wild game of the weekend, and that was Penn against Lehigh. 
defense, I don't know if the bus broke down on the way to the game. I don't know if they got stopped at the Delaware River or what happened here. Penn 65, Lehigh 47. Uh, it was, um, Brad, I mean, it was a quarterback duel, mm-hmm. really. Uh, Brad Myers for Lehigh had a pretty, pretty decent game. 444 yards through the air, four touchdowns. Uh, Brooks, though, for Penn, 29 carries, 268, three scores. Got robbed, maybe of another one. Um, I mean, offense wins championships, maybe? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, and I was at that game, man. And it was what's interesting was, you know, seeing seeing it live and, and seeing how, first of all, beautiful place to take in a football game. Yes. Um, yes. Lehigh has a phenomenal stadium. Um, great overlooking the, you know, the Lehigh Valley. is It yes. sits up top the hill. Um, and there was literally no defense. The score was 40 – I want to say 42-35 or something like that, 47-35 at halftime. And Carrick and Brooks, the running back you mentioned, 29 carries, 268 yards, 9.2 yards a carry, and a 50-yard touchdown run where he went untouched, got called back, so he would have went over three. He set Penn's record for rushing yards in a game. Wow. And what was crazy, they called that run back um, where he went untouched right down the middle of the field. They, I guess it was a holding call or something that they called back. Something stupid. Something stupid. <laughs> the following play, the quarterback nearly broke it for a touchdown right down. I was like, man, where are your linebackers? <laughs> and, and so, but it was it was interesting because um, Lehigh's receivers, and I, I previewed them going into the game, both Gatlin Casey and uh, Troy Pelletier are outstanding, and yes. they just make phenomenal catches. Brad Mays, granted, his yeah, he had four touchdowns, but those two interceptions really hurt them. That yes. that lost those possessions for them. Yes. Otherwise, I probably would still be at the game because it probably would still be going on <laughs> <laughs> because of the <laughs> overtime. But I was just like, wow, man, and impressive display by by uh, Lehigh's offense and, and Penn's offense, and we've seen Penn put up a massive amount of points the last two weeks. So I don't know if that's an indictment on how great their offense is or how bad they are defensively because yeah. their offense is getting a lot of reps, in, you know, because they have to play catch-up. Yeah, exactly. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, FCS Opening Drive, at the FCS Kickoff, and F-Ball Game Plan for Emery, uh, my co-host over here. Let's move on to the uh, early games that are coming up today. We've got three early games on Thursday and Friday that you guys can take in. And it's North Carolina Central, again, getting the short straw going on a Thursday schedule. They have a tough game, though. They travel down to Tallahassee to take on the Rattlers of A&M. Uh, big game in the MEAC. Yeah, and, and what I like about Florida A&M this year, last year they didn't have a spring because of the APR rules. So that, right. that already puts you behind the eight ball. Uh, so they have to really prep for a season in fall camp. Now, fast forward to this year, they had a spring. They have a lot of guys returning. One in particular, Ryan Stanley, their quarterback, I think is a, a tremendous player. And if history is of any indication, Alex Wood, the head coach, will do his best job to get that team ready to play. I know they're really good along the offensive line. We watched them in week one or week zero uh, totally dominate Texas Southern in that kickoff game. Right. Um, and that's where they're going to have to win. And they have to find a, a running game because if they can't run against uh, – North Carolina Central, and you make yourself one-dimensional, that plays right into their hands. So they have to find balance. And if they stick with the right guy, um, I know they want to like get multiple guys involved, but they have to find one guy, feed him the football. If they can do that, then I think they have a chance. But 
Uh, this is going to be a fun game to watch because I think Florida A&M is going to be that fly in the ornament team in the MEAC this year because of what they have back, brought back. Uh, the quarterback play is consistent. Um, they finally figured out that, hey, we need to just leave Stanley out there for the full game and not do the two-quarterback system that they were trying yeah. to do against Arkansas. Yeah. It kind of ruined them. Um, but I think FAMU has a legit shot to win this game. I think it's going to be an interesting matchup, though, because you talk about uh, with A&M, they got such, their rush defense has been pretty poor this year, mm -hmm. averaging 195 yards allowed on the ground. You got a guy like Isaiah Totten coming in from Central who's had a pretty good season so far. But you talked about A&M being one-dimensional. NC Central's got nine sacks already in their first three games. Though that's a very hungry defensive line. Their linebacking core is right there with them. So it's going to be definitely a good chance to see what they have in the tank. Um, but there's certainly enough standout players on A&M where they could give anybody problems, as right, you said. Right, and A&M could win this ball game. And it's funny because they, they lost a close one uh, last week to – or they won a close one last week to Savannah State. And Savannah State is leaving the MEAC, I, I want to say, after this year and going back down to Division Two. I think so, yeah. But they, they quietly put up a fight, and they have quietly put up a fight all season long. So they got tested last week. Um, and Central's offense, I think, is going to be something that we're going to have to continue to monitor moving forward because they lost a lot of pieces. Uh, they lost a key piece in Malcolm Bell last year, a tremendous quarterback. But I love their backfield. They can run the football. And I know Coach Mack is an offensive guy. He's going to have that offense rolling. I'm interested to see what they can find from a quarterback perspective from a consistency standpoint. And if they can get that, they can easily win this game. But this is going to be a really good game, a pivotal one in the MEAC so far. Absolutely. Let's move over to Friday now. Big game in the Ivy League uh, early on in the season as Dartmouth, as we, who we talked about, coming off a big win over Holy Cross. They will take on Penn, uh, who, of course, we talked about their offense as well. Both teams are 2-0. Both teams are putting up outrageous numbers on offense. This could be a shootout. Yeah, and which defense do you trust in this ball game? Neither. Uh, <laughs> right, because that's the thing. And Dartmouth, you know, two years ago, Dartmouth's defense was was where it needed to be, and that's why they won the Ivy League. They had a good quarterback in Dalen Williams. Now they have uh, Hennigan out there, Jack Hennigan, the quarterback, and he's efficient, and they can run the football. So I look at their defense. I still believe Dartmouth's defense – you can you can hang the, your hats on. Yeah. We're going to find out a lot about Penn's defense in this game, you know. And we saw I, well, I saw a lot of that defense <laughs> last <laughs> or week. Or not much of it. Exactly. What you want to look at? And they have issues covering. Um, and it was it wasn't like something. It wasn't you know, dink and dunk passes that Lehigh was throwing. Lehigh was throwing intermediate to deep down the field, and the cornerbacks had issues. They could not generate a pass rush, and, and if you have any mobility, you can get out of trouble. And Mays is a mobile guy. He was getting himself out of trouble a lot. I know Hennigan is a guy that can get himself out of trouble. Yep. And, you know, if, if you're not ready for Dartmouth's balanced offensive attack, I think Dartmouth goes into Franklin Field and knocks off uh, the Quakers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Penn as well. I mean, it, it's up to the defensive. You talked about their pass events. They've allowed almost 400 yards per game in the air. Um, so it's up to guys like Nick Miller to step up and really be leaders on that defense. I mean, Nick Miller's an all-around guy. He's got 20 tackles this season, tackle and a half for loss, one sack, and he's got a pick. You need more of him. You need a lot more of him. You need to clone him somehow, Penn. I, I mean, you're an Ivy League school. Figure it out. Figure, well, uh, well, here's the thing with Penn, though. This is this is an interesting stat. Uh, Penn right now, two games played, third in the FCS in rushing. Now, half of that came last yeah, week exactly. <laughs> against Lehigh. But quite honestly, in the first game, Carrick and Brooks ran for nearly – he ran for over 200 yards in that first game. 
Yeah. Uh, so if I'm Trey Solomon, who was the starter coming in, who's outstanding, you might want to get back <laughs> healthy. Like now. <laughs> like now. So if Penn is going to win this game, I think it's going to have to be Penn's rushing game. If you look at Penn, Penn is right behind the Citadel, number one, which is expected. They run the option. Right. And North Dakota State, who goes four deep. Right. And, and so, and we know they're going to run the football. So, you're right there. And it was funny because Yale is fourth. So I'm shocked at the at the Ivy League running game. I love it though. But these two teams, two two games in, are playing some really good football. Exactly. And one other game we got to talk about though on Friday, big game in the SWAC conference as well. Alcorn State going down to Texas Southern uh, at BBVA Compass Stadium in Houston. Um, Alcorn coming off a kind of a crazy win over Southern, 48-31. And Texas Southern coming off another loss. They're still winless on the season. Uh, lost to Alabama A&M 30-13 last week. You looking for something out of Texas Southern this week? They got to show some life. And, and I'm, I'm a believer in, in uh, the coach down there in Texas Southern. Um, uh, his name slips me. I'm, I'm a believer in him, though. Uh, he, <laughs> Whoever he is. <laughs> right, he, right. I like him. It, 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 throw, it throws me off because he was the running backs coach at LSU. Uh, was the head coach at Mambo, Ohio. And so I'm a big believer in, in what he what he has going on. And the issue has been he's trying to come. We live in a day and age where spread offenses rule the rule the country, yeah. you know, rule college football. Yep. And he's trying to, you know, get them back to being bullies up front, which is the style that you see at Alabama, you see at Pitt, you see at teams that nobody wants to face because right. you can run the football. LSU is one of them as well. So – He's trying to build that offensive line, but they got they they don't get good quarterback play. And on the flip side, Alcorn State has a really good quarterback in Lenora's Footman, yes. and he has been inconsistent a bit this year. But to be honest, I think Alcorn State they should have beaten Florida International. Yeah. Um, and, and that game was kind of weird because that game should have been played in Miami, but the whole hurricane yeah, moved to Birmingham. Exactly. Uh, but they they dominated that game, and they should have beaten McNeese State, who's a perennial power in the Southland. Yeah. So. I'm not surprised to see that Alcorn is, is, is where they are right now. I know this is a big game for them. They're, what, 2-2 two and two on the season? Yep. Um, and they have to – this is a must win. They can't sleepwalk in this. They look like the only team in the East Division of the SWAC that's, you know, worthy. And yeah. we may be looking at another – I know it's early, we may, but we may be looking at another Alcorn-Grambling SWAC title game at the end because Alcorn is just the class of the – yeah. The East. You yeah, know? exactly. It's like, who's going to play Alabama you right. know, when you get to the end of the SEC season? You know you're playing Alabama, but who's it going to be? <laughs> right, who's going to be? Uh, but, yeah, when you talk about Texas Southern, though, certainly an identity crisis, I think. I mean, and just slow starts. They, they are being outscored 50-10 to 10 in the first half already through the first three games. That's not the way you want to go, especially, like, I get the ground attack and wearing a guy down, a team down, but at some point you got to figure out how to score some points. They're averaging just 12 points per game so well, far. Well, you look at uh, DeLance. Uh, Turner or Taylor. Turner, I believe, the running back for Texas Southern. Yeah. Uh, over 200 yards last week. I mean, listen, if Footman can play like we know Footman can, and they start to find, you know, uh, Marquise Walford, their, their receiver, number 10, their dynamic playmaker, Alcorn could be a serious threat to Grambling uh, in that SWAC championship game. But I do think Alcorn will find their way to win the East easily. Can they beat Grambling and get back to the Celebration Bowl will be the biggest key. Absolutely. Again, folks, you're listening to the FCS Opening Drive podcast with me, David Hashagan, and Emery Hunt here. And let's move on. We're now a quarter of the way through the season, Emery. We're four weeks in, five weeks in, three weeks in, depending on who you look at, because nobody seems to know. 
Cause, uh, <laughs> but right. we got some, we got a lot of surprises so far this year, and I mean, we don't want to key on an Elon so much, but you kind of have to. I mean, after the year they had last year, they were two and nine. They bring in a new head coach in Kurt Zignetti. They're now three and one, and they are putting up some scary numbers on the season. I mean, but I don't think anybody was expecting this. Not at all. I, I totally wasn't. I thought Elon was probably a, a year or two away from being a competitive team in the yeah. CAA because of how good and how deep the CAA is, um, especially with their blue blood programs like your Richmond's, um, your James Madison, the reigning national champion. Yeah, exactly. Um, those type teams in the CAA, your, your, your uh, William and Marys are usually a physical bunch. But Elon just totally surprised me, and not just on offense, but defensively. You know, they're they're really getting key stops when they have to. And I think that has been the story because Elon, they, they're a small school, you know, from population size uh, in northeast North Carolina. Yep. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's you have to be going to Elon to get to Elon. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, yeah, exactly. And, and that's where I find it interesting that in year one, bringing in his recruits, also just flipping the culture around, changing the mindset, and getting those guys ready to play. I'm excited to see what they can do moving forward because you look at the top four or five teams in the CAA right now, uh, New Hampshire, Stoney, James Madison, Albany, and Elon. You can't tell me in the beginning of the season you, you would have thrown Stoney, Albany, and Elon in no. that top half. No, absolutely not. And, and it's definitely – I think it's a belief thing. Of, um, with just a new coach in, as you said, and shifting the culture around – you're seeing a totally different level of commitment from this team. And as you said, small teams like to get beaten up, and they're not going to get beaten up anymore. Let's move on to another surprise, though. You mentioned it before. The Ivy League all of a sudden is an offensive conference. Well, at least on the ground anyway. Yale, they're 2-0, and but their offense is the real talk of the, of the whole conference, really. 52 points per game so far, 300 rush, rush yards per game. Where did this come from? It's Yale. <laughs> this is Yale. Where is this coming from? Well, here's here's what I found out uh, last year from from Yale. I was at the Yale uh, the Yale Columbia game. Okay. And talking with the coach, and I'm like, wait a minute. You know, these guys out here competing. And I looked at the two deep, and you saw all freshmen. Hmm. So they played a lot of freshmen. Columbia played a lot of freshmen last year too, and we're seeing them pay off now. Josh Wainwright yeah. is an outstanding punt returner, mm -hmm. a really good kicker in Owen uh, Milstein. Um, so they're, 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 they built the right way. Okay, we're going to yes. play these freshmen this year. We're going to get them that experience and next year we're going to be ready to go. So we just talked about how they're, what, third in the conference in the country in, in rushing. Yeah. Uh, rush offense. But Kyle Rawlings, the quarterback, was a freshman last year and played phenomenal football. And I was like, man, this guy is really he, he's good. Yeah. And, and so next year he's going to be even better. And right now with their offense rolling like this, Rollins is rolling. The running game is, is where it needed to be. Defensively, they're going to get better. So I'm just shocked at, at how quickly they have gotten off the mat, so to speak, and how good they've gotten in two impressive wins on the year. Um, same with Columbia, but Yale right now to me has been the talk of the town. Absolutely. You think they? You think they're an early favorite for the Ivy League title at this point? Oh, that, that's a that's a good one because you have you still got Harvard that's going to have something to say, even though they're kind of on a downswing. Harvard lost to Rhode Island, so Harvard has <laughs> okay. no leg to stand on. <laughs> <laughs> Harvard has All right, fair enough. They fair got enough. some splaining to do, uh, but 
but you're right. Harvard is always one of the teams you got to worry about. Penn, Dartmouth. It, Dartmouth. It's still wide open. Princeton. Princeton is always underrated. Always underrated uh, football team, and especially with their offense. I love watching their offense just get out there because they do so many different things. I'm um, going to use multiple players in multiple formations. But right now, I have to say, you know, Yale, listen, you know, last week was, was impressive. They ran the football well. They did a great thing. And, but the – but the Lehigh game, and I know we can't put too much into Lehigh because yeah. of what we saw defensively, yeah. but to put up 50, they dominated Lehigh. Yeah. I mean, they dominated Lehigh more so than Penn dominated Lehigh. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. that defense I was impressed with. So we'll see. But right now, they, and they have a big test coming up this week. Um, they play Fordham, which yep. should be another shootout. Should so be we'll see what type of Yale squad. We'll learn a lot more about Yale after this week than we did the first two weeks. Absolutely. Let's move on to – a team that's really been a powerhouse so far this year and might be a dark horse favorite for some people to win a national title, and that's North Carolina A&T. 4-0 so far to start the season, but it's been the first half of games that have been... They're outscoring opponents 124-10 to in the first half of games this year, putting up 46 points per game. How good is this A&T team? Man, they are real good because you look at last year, A&T had Tariq Cohen, um, who's tearing things up in the NFL right now. Yep. And they also had Dan, uh, Denzel Keys, outstanding wide receiver. They had the two defensive ends that were excellent. So all those guys are gone. And you thought, okay, well, they lost Cohen. They lost these receivers. They lost defensive ends. They're going to be an okay team. It's an opportunity for a team maybe like Bethune-Cookman or Central to yep. run away with the MEAC. But they've come out and just dominated. They dominated uh, Charlotte. They were yep. dominating that ball game. They also uh, knocked off Kent State last year. And even in their, their game so far this season, they just look like the dominant team. The reason why is Lamar Renard, their quarterback, yeah. has stepped up his play and has thrown outstanding. And that's the biggest issue with a lot of these MEAC teams. The quarterback play is inconsistent. Right. They've gotten great quarterback play. They're still running the football well. They have an NFL prospect up front in Brandon Parker on the offensive line. And defensively, they're still aggressive. And Rob Broadway, the head coach, has done a phenomenal job with the Aggies. They look strong. And and the crazy part is you want to see how they compete versus the rest of the FCS. But if by them playing this good, they're probably going to be a shoe-in for the Celebration Bowl. So we won't see them in the playoffs. But this team, like you mentioned, they could be in line for the Black National Championship uh, if they knock off whoever the SWAC's representative, re- representative is yeah. in the Celebration Bowl. Absolutely. And I, I, when I was doing my research, I'm looking at a I'm like, I usually I'll find two or three players that are your key guys. You t- <laughs> I, I, had, I have six or seven names written down <laughs> here. I mean, you talked about Renal, their quarterback. He's thrown for 1,000 yards already and 12 touchdowns. Cartwright running the ball has been phenomenal. He's got, already got over 420 yards and five scores. Elijah Bell at the wide receiver position was great. And then you switch to defense. Sam Blue has had a big year on the defensive line. Franklin McCain has already got three interceptions returned for touchdowns and five picks on the year. Three pick sixes, you said? Three pick sixes. Wow. And five picks on the season. We're only four games in. And then, <laughs> like, Marcus Albert, it's just one after the other. I'm like, this team is stacked. <laughs> this is this is incredible. But, again, yeah, we'll have to see what they do against the, re- the big conference teams. But they've already knocked off an FBS team, so that's got to count for something. They, they knocked off Charlotte. Uh, like I said, Charlotte had to come back and make that game competitive, but – uh, A&T dominated that game. They blew out Gardner-Webb in the open. That was shocking to me because I thought Gardner-Webb was um, was an underrated team in the Big South. Yeah, uh, I thought they were going to try to slow that ball game down, and you always want to see how they do. Uh, A&T does outside of conference. 
outside of the HBCU ranks, and they blew out Gardner Webb. Mars Hill is a Division two program. You expect them to blow them out. Yeah. But they dominated Morgan State, and, you know, we have a classic confrontation this week with A&T and South Carolina State. That's going to be a great one. That's going to be a great matchup to watch. Another surprise from the from the, the early part of the season here, the first quarter, Austin P. Last year, winless Austin P. <laughs> They've got two wins already. Where yeah. did this come from? Is it just a turnover? Is it bringing in the right players? Is it taking some risks? What is it? I think it's a little bit of both, man. And we talked about this last year about their ability to recruit. You know, we talked about, hey, they, they, you know, that was a nice class last year. Yeah. This year, they had some people saying Austin P. probably had the best recruiting class in the FCS. Wow. And so when you combine that with a, a head coach that has gotten the job done and, and totally turned that football team around. And, yes. Um, and we know Austin P. I remember it's, it's Kirby Cannon is a head coach there. So we remember Austin P. as the – doormat of the FCS to put it lightly yes. uh, Will Healy I'm sorry is the head coach over there at Austin P and uh, Mike Haywood was the head coach at Texas Southern so okay there we go I can close that I can close that mental bubble <laughs> <laughs> I can X out that one but um, Austin Peace and, and Will Healy has has done a good job as far as turning the culture and it, I really took notice of how much they turned this thing around yeah. in their loss in week one against Cincinnati Mm-hmm. Cincinnati really had to wait until the fourth quarter to slowly pull that one out, 26-14. And I tell you what, I was like, man, Austin P might be, you know, halfway decent, yeah. if the, you know, when they lose impressively. And now they step in. They lost to Miami of Ohio, who's a good team in the, in the MAC. They should go to a bowl game. But they get in the FCS play. They beat Moorhead State 63-13, to and they knocked off Murray State last week in an impressive fashion defensively they were dominant so yeah i think when you look at austin p and you look at what they're doing and coach has them believing in themselves and they believe they can win now they go from being a doormat we just want to keep this close not embarrass ourselves to hey we got a shot it makes next week's game or this week's game against ut martin at home uh, uh, uh i'm sorry not at home yeah it's at home wow so they it makes that one huge in this Massive. family weekend it's this is a big game this is where you want to see where you are as a program, and uh, they have a quarterback. And uh, one of my one of my college coaches, he he now coaches in uh, college, and right. I'm, I'm not going to mention the school, but he called me and he was like, "Man, listen, we're um, he was out on the road recruiting. He's like, we're recruiting this kid, and he re- he said, now don't I'm not saying he's that guy, but he reminds me of that guy. He said we're recruiting this quarterback named Jeremiah Oatsvall." And he plays a lot like Johnny Manziel. I just like this kid. I want him on my team. We're trying to get him hard. The kid ends up signing with Austin P. Sent shockwaves. Because everybody was like, how did Austin P. get this, yeah. this QB? This is a guy that when he got into the game against Cincinnati, you saw a difference. And I was like, man, this dude really is like Johnny Manziel. So they have a quarterback in the in the in the waiting, in the wings, and Oatsvall. That can get them where they want to be. So 2017 yeah. may be good, but I think 2018 may be special for Austin P. Absolutely. And let's get to one more quick surprise before we take a quick break here. And it's a, not a good surprise. It's the Patriot League. I mean, I know it's a small conference. I know there's not a lot to choose from, but there's nothing to choose from right now. I mean, and I cover the Patriot League. I do Georgetown home games uh, for synthesis production in the Patriot League network. So, and... And I see, I've seen a lot of Patriot League football. Coming into the season, I would have told you that 
you can make a case for Fordham, Lehigh, Colgate being a playoff team. You know, maybe three teams coming out the Patriot League playoff. Right now, Fordham is one and three. Lehigh is winless, giving up the most points probably so far this season by yep. anybody in the FCS. Yep. Holy Cross, I thought, was going to be a, a, a rebuilding type team because at the time, we didn't know if Peter Puyalls was going to be back. Right. And he got that additional year from the NCAA. Georgetown is a is always going to be good on defense and special teams, but their offense is anemic. And right now the two top teams in the conference is Bucknell and Holy Cross. I mean, Fordham, and granted, once Chase Edmonds got hurt, that was an issue. That's their that's the guy that, that that's their pro prospect. Kevin Anderson's a good quarterback, but my goodness, I, I just wasn't expecting the entire the, the Patriot League to me looks like how uh the Big South used to look. You know, with yeah. one team that's a clear cut, they're gonna get the automatic bid, but right now, somebody better get off the mat. It's gonna be a, I think it's gonna only be a one team bid this year and that's gonna be whoever wins the conference. Yeah, and they're gonna end up facing North Dakota State in the first round and getting absolutely whitewashed. So Right. Folks, we're gonna take a quick break here. Again, you are listening to the FCS opening drive podcast with David Hassagan and Emery Hunt, right here, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we come back, we're going to be talking a whole bunch of new coaches. You got some grades. You got some opinions on a whole bunch of new coaches this year. We will talk about our new power rankings for the season, and we're looking forward to week six, week five here in the FCS. There's a lot to watch. There's a lot to talk about, and we'll talk a few draft prospects too. We'll be there right when we get back. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. Welcome back, folks. Again, you are listening to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast right here, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Don't forget to follow us at FCS Opening Drive on Twitter, youtube.com slash football game plan, and of course on iTunes, football game plan podcasts. Emery, we're going to go into now a whole bunch of new coaches that have come up this year. Um, There's quite a few of them to go through here. Some going into programs that are perennial powers and trying to fill big shoes. Others that are trying to rebuild some programs. I know you want to run through these with some draft grades, so let's go right through it here. And we'll start with one of the bigger programs, Eastern Washington. New man, Aaron Best. Not much of a great start yet so far. Is this growing pains, or what do you think? I think it's kind of growing pains because we expected this to be a slow start uh, because of everything that they lost, their top three wide receivers. I mean, you lose Cooper Cup, who's now doing great things with the Rams. You know, so... And defensively, they lose Samson Ebicom as well. A, a pro, he was drafted, I, I believe, by the Rams as well. Yes. So um, you lose both those draft prospects. Uh, but he has started to right the ship, and he's not new to the program. Right. He's, he's been there. Yeah, he's moving in from the offensive coordinator spot. Exactly. So he's been there. Um, he's 
Eastern Washington through and through. So right now I'll give him about a B, uh, okay. considering all that they lost. And now the, he still has they come, – they're coming off a great win against Fordham. He has them right back in the thick of this big sky race. Absolutely. Next coach we're going to talk about is uh, the new man at Idaho State, Rob Fennessy. Um, already off to a 2-2 two and two start. Pretty good start for the new man. And they quietly upset a FBS school. Yeah. <laughs> they beat Bowling Green. So no, no one talked about that. It, it, no. In the midst of all upsets, no one mentioned Idaho State. Oh, and Idaho State beat somebody. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and Coach Fennessy was probably the most surprising of the hirings because his came um, – like late in the process it yeah. was a, a weird switch uh, from the head coach that has been there a long time to him and kudos to him i mean the big sky is not a tough that's one of the blue blood conferences and you have these guys playing great football they're two and two fbs upset and now they're going to start jumping into the thick of conference play so we'll yeah. see but he get he has to get an a because yeah. of what he did so far Absolutely. Let's talk about another one of the uh, surprising hires, and that is uh, Dan Hawkins, the new man at UC Davis. Came over from Vikings Vienna, <laughs> from from from, the, from <laughs> Europe. I mean, where do they find these guys sometimes? I have no idea. But he's got UC Davis off to a two and two start after a three and eight year last year. Now that's surprising to me because UC Davis was normally on the back end of this conference, and we know this conference goes fourteen deep. So um, he definitely gets an eight. And because Dan Hawkins has experience in the CFL, experience right. at Colorado. Um, and so coming to UC Davis, you're kind of like, well, why UC Davis? When yeah. there's probably a mid-major FBS program that's willing to take Dan Hawkins, you know, being who he is. And he goes to UC Davis and quietly has made the Aggies relevant once again. So they're one and one in the big sky right now, but he has to get an A for making that program competitive and relevant. Good to see UC Davis back on top, uh, well, close to the top at least for sure. Uh, move on to Charleston Southern, their new man, Mark Tucker. Yeah, and it's a tough break for, for uh, Coach Tucker because when the head coach leaves and, you know, you know they're predicated on uh, defense and that option football and all those coaches now, uh, that coach particular, the, the head coach of Charleston Southern is now the OC at Coastal Carolina. Mm. So, I mean, he has a tough – and he lost the NFL offensive lineman as well. Yes. Eric Austell. Uh, so, but their defense was supposed to be strong, and they're still strong, but their offense isn't where you expected it to be. So I say right now I give him a C plus. Okay. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a generous grader. Okay. Know? Yeah, I like, I like that little bit of yeah. a curve. I needed, yeah, that. I needed that a whole lot more when I was in school. Um, let's move on to uh, the new man at my, one of my favorite nicknames of all time, the Presbyterian Blue Hose. Uh, Tommy Spangler, though, he's got them already even with wins from last season. He's a 2-2 two and two after a 2-9 and nine season coming in from his predecessor. And, and they went back to the future for Spangler. Spangler was there for, for a while. Yeah. And uh, so I like to see him come back. And they had their biggest loss was in the offseason when uh, Daryl Bridges, their running back, their dynamic playmaker, decided to play his final season elsewhere, and he ended up going to Chattanooga. Right. And if they had Bridges – Maybe things would be a little bit different right now with Presbyterian because they always they are, they are always a tough out, but he has to get that defense back in order in order for him to be competitive. Now they're two and two on the season, impressive. So I give him a, a, a C minus, a C plus. I'm sorry, B minus C plus, uh, because defensively I expected him to have that big of an impact there, right. but that's where they've been weak this year. Gotcha. All right, let's move on to uh, the Blue Hands of Delaware, Danny Rocco uh, coming in. A program that's kind of fallen on some hard times in the last couple seasons, kind of been inconsistent. Decent start so far, 2-1. and one. Yeah, it was interesting because this is that whole round robin now because you have yeah. Rocco going from Richmond to Delaware, 
And, <laughs> you know. Exactly. And Russ Houston going from Chattanooga to Richmond. And so I, I think Delaware's and Coach Rocco's whole job for me is to get productive play out the quarterback position. Yeah. They have a great linebacker in Charles Bell, probably going to play on Sundays. We know they go three deep in the backfield. Their offensive line is going to be good. Can Delaware become well-balanced with their passing attack? Now it was their passing game that led them to victory in this last you know, out, outcome. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think Rocco can recruit. The cupboard is not bare at Richmond. Right. You know, Russ Huseman is a great coach, but he also inherited a really good uh, program down there as well. So he'll build this program. I give it a solid B right okay. now. I need to see this passing game take uh, positive steps moving forward. Absolutely. We're going back to Elon again. We talked about it before, Kirk Signetti. I mean, three and one start to the season. And we've all been impressed with Elon so far. What what grade are you giving him? If this as if there's any doubt right now, they get an A, man. Because again, when it was they started out zero and one, and it was oh yeah, Elon's probably going to win one game, two games this year. Yeah, I mean they've already surpassed that. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, a three and one, their offense looks like it's starting to catch fire. Defensively, they're going to they're starting to play a little bit better. So yeah, he gets an A. He's moving this program just like he moved that uh, Crimson Hawk program at IUP. Right, absolutely. Move on to uh, the man you mentioned before, uh, Rush Huseman, going to Richmond. Decent start, but not overwhelming for our usual usual powerhouse in the conference. Yeah, I was shocked that they lost to Elon last week. Obviously, we keep talking about that because that was a surprising loss. Um, but they got their quarterback back, Kyle Loletta, and he's throwing for 400-something yards. He may play on Sundays as well. He's a really good player, really good receiver. So uh, Coach Huseman will have this team in the playoffs. I know eventually – they will get things where they want it to be, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Offense, they're fine. Defense, they're going to have to tighten up a little bit. They lost some guys. Uh, David Jones is a guy that, that plays for the Patriots, I believe, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And Winston Craig was playing with the Eagles. I, I, I don't think he's still on the team, but I know he was with the Eagles, so they lost pro prospects. Uh, but Coach Huseman has come in and, and kept this, this team on pace, kept them competitive, so I give them a solid B right now. Solid B. Let's move down to Villanova. Mark Ferrante. What grade are you giving him? I give him a B plus because okay. what has impressed me about Villanova, the passing game. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we haven't seen. We know Villanova will keep offensive linemen. We saw Tano Passio get drafted by the Chiefs last year uh, as a defensive end. So, and Brad Seaton, the, the offensive lineman, got drafted as well. So they had two people on both sides of the line of scrimmage get drafted. They have a really good tight end in Ryan Bell, um, who's going to play on Sundays. He's an H back, former walk on. Um, and Zach Bignarzik, the, the quarterback, we didn't know much about his passing ability last year right. because yeah. they ran the football. So Yeah, exactly. You know, and now that he's throwing the ball and their offense is putting up points, yeah, they had a setback last week, but I think Villanova, I think he's doing a great job, B+. Plus. B+. Plus. Move to Mike London, the new man at Howard, who's, I mean, off to a 2-2 two and, a two and two start. Again, matching win totals from last year, that's always a good for a new coach. And an FBS victory. Yes. They beat UNLV. Handily. And they needly, they, 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 they almost beat Kent State. Um, you know, that had to come down to the wire. And they got trounced by Howard. I mean, trounced by Richmond. Yep. Um, but the surprising win to me was probably more surprising than the, the FBS upset, to be honest. They beat Bethune-Cookman. And they beat them pretty, pretty well. They, it was a, a good all-around yeah. game plan. Um, Kalen Newton, the freshman quarterback, you know, for a freshman to go in and play, period, as a true freshman is always tough because, yeah. you know, the, the transition from high school to college. 
but to play as a true freshman at the quarterback position yeah. is even tougher. Very. And so he has these guys playing at a high – they have a pro prospect in the backfield and, and Anthony Phil, y'all. Kyle Anthony is a tremendous wide receiver. If they can get right defensively, they're going to be a problem in the MEAC. Definitely, definitely. Let's go to uh, another guy. You got a new program, Bryant, who's still kind of trying to find their feet in the uh, in the FCS system here. The new man, James Perry, off to a two and two start. I give him a B plus uh, because he's a, he's a Princeton guy. Ah, and the Princeton. He, he, okay, he's coming yeah. from Princeton. Good offensive, you know, uh, mind, and they have done a good job as far as like just being exciting and being competitive. And, and Bryant, like you mentioned, they're a fairly new program. Um, and, you know, for those guys to go out there and, and be able to move pieces around offensively, um, their passing game is outstanding. Uh, we know that what they can do as far as um, stylistically getting things done. Now, obviously, his biggest thing is going to be can he get a defense to get stops? Yeah. That's that going to be their biggest issue, definitely. you know. So, right now, I give them a, a B minus. A B minus. All right. We'll go through a couple more here, one or two more. We're getting a little bit close on time. Um we got we gotten the good starts out of the way. Let's go to come of the disappointing starts. We got to start with Tom Arth, the new guy at Chattanooga, one and three after a nine and four season last year. Um, what's wrong with the mocks? Is it is it just growing pains with the new coach? Or growing it, pains, and they lost. Listen, you they lose lost a ton of players. A ton of players. Keonta Davis, NFL draft. He's with the he's with the Patriots. They lose uh, uh, the the other defensive end, Ventrell. Uh, forgot his last name, but he's another defensive end that they lost. They lose Crane, the running back. Yeah. Um, he's pretty good. And they were without their starting quarterback for the first two games, I believe, Alejandro Benefield, who's a talented quarterback. I like Tom Arth. I love what he was doing at John Carroll. Uh, he was able to produce a guy that, that should have played on Sundays but had some off-field issues at a Division three school. So yeah. he'll be fine, but right now you got to give him a C plus. C plus. And then we'll go – let's talk about um, Clay Hendricks, the new man at Furman as well. Another 1-3 and three start. A program that's had its difficulties the last few years, though, so kind of expected, but you like where he's taking the program? I do like where he's taking the program. He's an offensive guy in my mind, and, and I, I think when Furman, who had a big victory last week, I believe, um, I'm trying to find the score, but I know Furman is going to be – they're one of those programs where you, you, you like to see them have success in the FCS. Yeah. They're usually a, a good team. A stable team. Yeah. Um, they've produced a couple of good offensive linemen in, that, that have played in the professional ranks. Uh, Trey Robinson was a, a big-time safety that was with the Giants in the preseason. Yeah. Um, so they're going in the right direction, and I, I think right now you give him a, a C-plus for what he's done. All right. Sounds good. And let's do one more real, real quick. We talked about the Patriot League and the struggles. John Garrett, the new man at Lafayette, not a great start, 0-4. And, and Lafayette is an interesting program. And what I, being at that game, I was at the Princeton game, uh, last weekend, and I love the direction of the offense. They're starting the freshman quarterback, so you're going to yeah. have some growing. You're going to have some problems there, yeah. And, but they spread the ball around. They attack touchdown to check down. Um, they have a really good tight end in Dylan Wadsworth that's going to play on Sundays. Uh, for the, if the freshman quarterback can take those natural steps that you expect him to take, yeah. their offense will be fine. Defensively, they can fly around the football. They have really good talent. Brandon Bryant is an outstanding linebacker, so I give him a, a, a B minus right now for what he's being asked to do at at Lafayette, and he's slowly starting to change that culture. Absolutely. Again, folks, you're listening to the FCS Opening Drive podcast here, presented by uh, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting with me, David Hassegan, and Emery Hunt. Emery, let's move forward now. Let's talk about your latest power poll. We'll go from 10 to 1 here, but, it's I mean, there's not a ton of surprises here, but there could be some programs that uh, a couple of people wouldn't expect maybe in this top 10. 
Well, Western Illinois coming off what they did, you know, last week was was pretty pretty impressive. You know, the Leathernecks defensively, yes. uh, their linebacking core is excellent. They're 4-0. I didn't think that was going to happen considering they lost Lance Lenore, who was doing well in the preseason uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, their top receiver, but their offense hasn't missed a beat. So they get number 10. Number nine, A&T, the Aggies, strong football team. That's probably going to be a surprise yeah. to most people because we know the the, the uh, coaches poll or stats top twenty five. They don't show much love to the MEAC or schools outside of the the blue blood FCS yeah. conferences. So, yeah. but in our top ten, you got to put A&T in there with how they're dominating up front. Number eight, Wofford. Option football dominates seven yes. and eight. You know, I'm a big fan. You're a Springfield guy, so you know. I, I know. I, I mean, triple option. <laughs> I, if we throw the ball five times a game, that's a that's a lot for us. I'll take the option eight all day long. It's a it's a tough uh, game. It's a tough offense to de- prepare against and try to defend. Um, so seven and eight, Citadel, Wofford, option football combined six and zero. Oh, and those two teams went deep into the playoffs last year. Yeah. And they're probably going to be deep into the playoffs once again. And never underrate a military school, Citadel. Got to give them respect. Yes. Discipline. Illinois State at number six. This was surprising to me. Yeah. Because Illinois State, I thought, was was faulty a little bit last year. I thought they were shaky. But they ended up making the playoffs, I believe. Right. Um, and this year, they're off to a 3-0 and start. And so, I thought a team that was going to probably be middle of the pack in the Missouri Valley Conference yeah. are, is off to a great start. And as, you, as we will see, <laughs> the Missouri Valley Conference dominates – Five, three, and two in this top ten. There's more Dakota teams than there are Dakotas. <laughs> Number five, South Dakota, three and zero. Oh. That's another surprise to start. I love their quarterback, Chris Strebler. Uh, Strebler is a dual threat guy, and he's he gives offenses, uh, defenses, all kinds of problems. Um, yeah. They beat an FBS program as well, I believe. Uh, no, they beat North Dakota. Yeah, which was shocking. Because solid game there. Solid game because North Dakota's defense is stout. And yep. they have a running game, but they couldn't stop Strebler. And Strebler is the straw that stirs his drink for the Coyotes. Um, so I, I like watching them play. That's them at five. It's probably going to be shocking to people, but I like that. All right, number four, Sam Houston State coming in at number at three and zero. Oh. Well, here's the thing: Phil Longo, their offensive coordinator, is now at Ole Miss, and we're starting to see Shea Patterson do great things. The quarterback yep. at, at Ole Miss, and everyone thought, myself included, well, maybe they have a slight drop off in in production. No, their offense is still point a minute. They can score. Like, every time you look at the game, if you're not watching it live, you check the, the, the box score, and you'll see 7 up to Sam Houston State with 14.05 left in, <laughs> in the first quarter. Yeah. They score quick, and they score often. So, not surprised that they're three. And, and South Dakota State at number two is another one that uh, Taron Christian is playing some great football. Jeremiah Briscoe at Sam Houston State and Taron Christian at South Dakota State is outstanding. And, and South Dakota State is playing with two NFL prospects and Jake Winicky at receiver and Dallas Golder at tight end. Yeah, and you said South Dakota State number three, number two, North Dakota State. It's tough. up there again. Right. You can't take you can't have a top ten or top five or top three yeah. without North Dakota State. <laughs> yeah. You know, the again, four deep in the backfield. And if they can ever get Nick DeLuca out there healthy, yeah. that's gonna change their defense. They're gonna be right in the thick of things again in the FCS. No surprise at number one, the Dukes at JMU. Until you beat the champs, they got to remain number one. And, and just an outstanding team top to bottom. They are well coached, man. Coach Houston has done a great job with that program. They look like an FBS team at, at how dominant they are on they Saturdays. Are. Yeah, they definitely do. Let's talk about some of the teams you have on the cusp, though. We've got a few teams in here. A couple of familiar names we talked about already in the show. We talked about Elon. We talked about Dartmouth. 
You've got St. Francis up there as on the cusp of the top ten. I, I like St. Francis, man. They, they can run the ball. They Even in their loss last year, I was at the game last year, uh, the playoff game against Villanova. Um, even in that loss, was impressed with the, the talent they had that was going to be coming back. Right. Cameron Lewis, a receiver, is a pro prospect. He's only a junior. He's 6'4", 215 pounds. He's a legit threat deep down the field. They are really good. They had a, a tough loss, an upset loss to Towson. But I think moving forward, St. Francis is going to be a strong contender uh, in this in this uh, FCS and also Western Carolina. You, you talk yeah. about pro prospects, they're running yep. back. Same coach that told me about Jeremiah Oatsvall <laughs> hit me up. It was like they just played Western Carolina. He was like, listen, the running back is probably the fastest running back I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and so <laughs> this dude he is legit fast. I, I, and the, considering they lost a good receiver in Spearman Robinson last year, um, and lost a lot of pieces, but Tyree Adams, the quarterback, has played well. So, shout out to Western Carolina, three and one on the start. Absolutely. Again, folks, that's your FCS power poll, ten to one. I know some of you are going to be angry. But that's just how it shout is. Shout out to Weber State too. Got to get them in there. Weber State and UT Martin, good, good, good wins last week. Got to get them in there. Gotta love Weber State. I mean, they're just there. Uh, again, this is the <laughs> FCS Opening Drive Podcast with presented by Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hasek and Emery Hunt. Let's move into the game previews for this upcoming week because we got some interesting ones, some interesting ones that you wanted to focus on here, and we'll start with East Tennessee State taking on Furman. Big game in the Southern uh, Conference down in Greenville, South Carolina. Well, here's the thing. With East Tennessee State, a uh, fairly new program, uh, only reboot, I want to say, last year. I think so, yeah, so, last couple of years, yeah. Yeah, last couple of years. So they brought their program back, and they're sitting at 2-2 two and two on the year, um, and, and they look like a physical bunch. Uh, and I know when you have a new program – you have that added benefit of having uh, an additional year of recruits to get those guys in, redshirt all of them, yep. develop them without playing games. But when they hit the field, they're surprisingly better than you expect them to because they have a year of, uh, of college you know, nutrition and strength and conditioning, all that stuff like that. So this is a big game in the, so- in the SOCON. Um, I'm interested to see how they answer the call and, and knock off a, a team in Furman that is built the same way they are. And it, that's going to be a really good matchup. Next match you got up on the schedule here is Savannah State. We talked about them earlier coming off a loss. They're at Bethune-Cookman in the MEAC. Big matchup there. I think this is a big game for Bethune-Cookman. Yes. Um, they lost one last week, surprisingly, to Howard. One that they probably should have won. Uh, talent-wise, they should have won that game. Savannah State is a team that will give you everything. And despite them dropping down to D2 you know, next year, they're not that bad. What's bad about them, their offense. So, yeah, that's going to be a big game. Bethune-Cookman can't get caught looking ahead. They have to take care of business against Savannah State. Absolutely. Let's talk about another one here. Kind of Coming up uh, kind of locally in Staten Island, Lehigh travels to Wagner. Shoot out at the OK Corral on this one? <laughs> Listen, and, and hopefully Wagner's uh, defense can step up and, and play good coverage because right now their defense has given up a lot of points. Offensively, I thought they would have been better this year. Um, they're 1-3. Yeah, and if the best remedy for a bad offense is Lehigh's defense, yeah. So it's like playing the Jets. Exactly. <laughs> right. You want to get a win, you got to play the New York Jets. And so if they want to, if 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 they want to get right back on the right track, uh, this would be the game that they have to do. They had a statement game last week against St. Francis. Obviously, they lost that ball game. Yeah. Um, but they have to be better against uh, Lehigh. And I, and I like Coach Hotowling, the the coach over there uh, at Wagner. And I know they have a really good team, especially on a perimeter. So we'll see what they can do this week against Lehigh. Big game, the battle for Rhode Island. URI taking on Brown. Yeah, the Governor's Cup, man. I attended one of those games two years ago at Brown. 
Yeah. And um, it, it, it was impressive. That's that's what started my appreciation for the job that Coach Jim Fleming is doing at Rhode Island. Now, yeah. they lost that game, but it was a shootout. It was a last-second win for Brown. Um, and they have a good running back in Harold Cooper who can do it all, running, receiving, returning. This is a big game for them because they should have beaten Central Michigan in week one. Yep. They did a great job in upsetting Harvard. This is a game that technically they are supposed to win. So we'll see if they can get it together and, and exceed expectations or meet expectations. I'm excited to see how these guys come out and play. Absolutely. Big game in the OVC, Jacksonville State against Tennessee Tech. Yeah, Tennessee Tech, uh, Satterfield, the coach over there at Tennessee Tech, does a good job offensively. Right now his offense isn't where he wants it to be. Um, Jacksonville State, I think, is still trying to find their way. This is a team in, in the Gamecocks that you don't want to – you rather face them now yeah. as opposed to later because once they get things going, defensively they're there already. Yeah. Offensively is where you want to see them start to make strides. Exactly, and yeah. th- That's why this is a pivotal game because this may be the game where their offense starts to hit hits their stride. But if you're Tennessee Tech, if you make it a track meet and try to make them get outside their element, you have a chance to win. So I'm excited to see how they how they step up in this ball game from an offensive standpoint where they haven't been all season. Absolutely. We move to the Pioneer League now. I mentioned this game on my FCS whip round. Uh, Moorhead State taking on Campbell. Campbell is moving to the Big South next year. Yep. Um, so they're moving to scholarship football. But here's the thing, and I, I love what's going on right now in the Pioneer League. It's competitive. Yeah. Normally it's a three-team league, right? You got San Diego. It's always up there. Butler. Yep. And uh, Dayton and Jacksonville sometimes. So four teams. But right now you have a host of teams that are two and two. Yeah. So this is a big game because Campbell is is making that jump next year and and this is a game where you want to see if how how well can they come out? Can they come out and, and, and dominate a team like Moorhead State? But shout out to Moorhead State who has, you know, been impressive this year. Um, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And I like what they're doing. So this is a big game, one that's gonna be entertaining to watch and I'm excited to see how the Eagles come out and uh handle business. Along that same vein, talk about more two and two teams. Drake taking on Butler in the back, Pioneer. Yeah, back in the Pioneer because right now Drake is sitting at two and two, and Drake lost their pro prospect last year, Eric Salbert, who's now with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and Drake, I, I, Drake is one of those teams that every other year Drake seems to be good. Yeah. Um, Mac Marin is an outstanding defensive end. He can get after the quarterback. Uh, this is a game that's going to be a tough one for them because Butler challenges you up front. You yes. have a really good running back in Devonta Lane. Um, they can really run the football. The problem is their passing game is, you know, is is where their Achilles heel is right now. Um, so, if they can't get an early lead, they may struggle. So, can they get out the blocks early? Is what I'll be watching for. Yeah, and Drake with Grant Kramer as well. Obviously, guy they got a key on. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a big game last week uh, against Falpo. Threw for over 440 yards. Uh, last game you have on here. Lafayette at Holy Cross. Time for the Crusaders to make a statement? It's time for Here's the thing. Lafayette is going to be competitive. They didn't give up against Princeton, and they started to find their offensive stride late. Now, granted, the game was decided, but they didn't give up. They started throwing deep down the field. Running game started to pop. Uh, defensively, they were still from lying around the football. But if you're Holy Cross, this is a team that you have to put away. And so can they be dominant is what I will be watching for. Can they step out from the start? and put this team away and not get caught into, oh, it's a close game, a last-second uh, field goal or shootout, can they put Lafayette away? Absolutely. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast. 
presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes, Football Game Plan Podcasts, uh, and on Twitter, FCS Opening Drive, the FCS Kickoff, and follow Emery at FBall Game Plan, all on Twitter. Before we go, we got three. You got three NFL draft prospects to watch coming out of the FCS, and you mentioned one of them before at the beginning of the show, and that is Brett Taylor, the linebacker from Western Illinois. What's so special about him? Yeah, he he's good on both ends of defense. He can drop back in coverage and play the pass well. He's aggressive versus the run. Well, I'll be watching for in this game as they take on South Dakota. We talked about their quarterback, Chris Strebler. Can he play discipline? Can he neutralize Strebler and keep him in the pocket and make him beat them throwing the football? If he can do that, he's won already. So he's going to probably have to be a spy against one of the more dangerous quarterbacks on the move in Strebler. So we'll see. That's what I'll be looking for from him. What can he do from – can he match wits with the quarterback on the opposite side? And, and Joe Prothrow, the fullback, Cal Poly option football. I love fullbacks. Yeah, full, anytime <laughs> you see a fullback on the list, it's probably an option team. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and Pro Throw is one of the best ones. He's six feet two thirty. Um, we talked about Idaho State and the big win they had against Bowling Green and how they look in the Big Sky. And Cal Poly, as expected, struggling a little bit this season because they have to replace a quarterback in Daniel Graves, who was outstanding. And that's the one piece of the puzzle you can't replace is for an option team. So. Pro throw is going to have to be the key figure in this ball game and have to slowly take the wheel uh, out of Idaho State's sale. So I'm interested to see how he can close out a game, so to speak, from the fullback position. Absolutely. And the last name you got on here is the, uh, the quarterback from Grambling, Devontae Kincaid. What are you looking for him against Clark? I feel like we talked a lot about Kincaid in the offseason, you know, yeah. coming off the Celebration Bowl and, and what he has done and how he's looking as a pro prospect, uh, senior bowl watch list, all that good stuff like that. We haven't really seen that breakout game. Last year, they nearly beat Arizona until he got hurt, and then they lost. It was up 24-3, 21-3 at halftime. He gets hurt at the last play of the halftime, didn't play the second half, and they lost like 28-24, something like that. So he's huge. He's a, he's a, a really talented player. We need that breakout game from a statistical standpoint from him. So Clark Atlanta provides that opportunity. So can he go in, and can he put together the, one of them 400-yard passing performances, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. I just want to see him have that breakout game so we can start talking about him again. Exactly. we got it pretty much wrapped up here, Emery, but you're going to be busy this weekend. You're always busy. I mean, we, <laughs> right. we can barely get you here on Mondays. Um, what are you looking at? Where are you going to be for this, this week? Well, I'll be the color analyst on the radio broadcast for the Monmouth-Bucknell game. And Monmouth is going to be interesting. Because, interesting there, yeah. Yeah, Monmouth is a team that's quietly – been highly productive in the Big South. Right now, they're three and one on the season, and they nearly lost one last week. They had to go to overtime to beat Hampton, uh, which was an interesting game. So Bucknell is a team that that will challenge you up front. They have a tremendous player, and Abdullah Anderson, a defensive lineman. Yeah. How he matches wits with, uh, he's a pro prospect, and Mama's pro prospect, uh, Alex Redman, I believe is his name. Oh, Alex Thompson, the offensive lineman, the guard. They're going to be matched up. So that's a game within a game to watch. I like Mamut's receiver, Reggie White Jr. No relation to, to Reggie White. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but he's awesome. Uh, but this is going to be a really good game because I, mix, I, mix, I, I know both coaches. I've met with both coaches. Um, Coach Joe Susan at Bucknell and Coach uh, Kevin Callahan at Mammoth Should be a great game. Absolutely. And before we go, I just got to give a quick shout-out to my alma mater, Springfield College. Won the first ever game in their new conference. The new MAC football conference started up this year. Uh, got a 42-10 win over WPA. First 3-0 start since 2006 for the pride of Springfield College. 
option football. Well, listen, option <laughs> football is awesome. And I like Springfield College because their linebacker, they have, what, two years ago, Mac Naiswitz, was yep. a tremendous player. I mean, we're all tremendous players, let's be honest. <laughs> Folks, thanks so much for listening in to this for the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I've been David Hassagan, Emery Hunt. Thank you so much for being on here. We look forward to uh, continuing this on. I mean, it's going to be a great season as we go forward. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's great doing the show with you. And, and fans out there, Follow us all on all our social media accounts and, and give us some insight. What you guys like, what you guys want to hear more of. We love fan interaction. So uh, it's been great, man. I'm excited about it. Man, it's going to be fantastic. Again, folks, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Next, uh, we'll see what happens in week six.